To see examples of what we talked about on this episode, along with further information, go to bunchofdorks.com. Welcome everyone to Two Dimension Podcast. The comic book podcast with no direction. What's up, everybody? You know the song. You know the voice. It's Rook, and it's Don. Hello, everybody. And returning is Alex Squires. Y'all may remember him from episode 353. We're only about 11 months away from my last appearance. There you go. <laughs> yeah, because that was in February, and uh, here we are in January. I know. I know. It's, it's a whole new year now. Yep. Oh, Alex, welcome back, man. It's Don uh, pre-recording is gushing about the show. Absolutely loves it. Uh, for those who don't remember last time, catch them up and remind them what this is that you do. So after about 10 years of my co-host JR and I doing a podcast, uh, not too unlike yours, uh, by the way, if we were still doing OMV uh, Classic, we definitely would have had uh, blip maps on. So good oh, pull, you guys. <laughs> dude, what a. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> um, so uh, uh, you graciously let me on your show so I could promote the Kickstarter for the audio drama that I was going to produce. And uh, that's called the Starwell Foundation. Uh, the very basic gist is what if a few hospital kids and some people in in uh, a community ask this organization to start meeting supervillains where they would normally grant meetings with athletes or celebrities or it's a comic book world so there's superheroes there too and uh one of the uh team members decides she's going to take it on herself to go find some villains and bring them out to meet people and maybe inspire them or tell them it's going to be okay or you don't have to be quite so bad and uh and uh now 11 months later, uh, it's done. <laughs> the physical awards all got sent out. Um, those all got produced in time that I was happy with. Um, I would have preferred to have all my episodes done at least a month sooner than they had, but life gets in the way sometimes. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, episode six was released yesterday, <laughs> which, uh, as I recall, uh, this will be posted later. So it's actually a week ago, we'll say. But uh, yeah, episodes one through six of Starwell are complete. Um, the backers uh, special episode of How Crime is done. And I have one more How Crime to give to the backers in, uh, before before I could call this season like completely done. But now it's on to uh, a little promotion and a little bit of relaxing <laughs> <laughs> and uh, seeing what people think about it. Yeah. And by relaxing, you mean planning the next season? <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was already set up. <laughs> End of episode six, I noticed. Some of it, yeah. Yep. yep. Um, I do have a question on this. No, we talked before. We talked about your show. Opinions may vary, and mm-hmm. I listened to two episodes. I guess they were tryouts, warmups, and uh, told the story how she, you know, came about the Starwell Foundation and everything. Yep. But I was thinking it would be a different stream. I didn't realize you were going to have it on opinions may vary. So. Yeah, that's 
that it, it was a tough choice along the lines of we've already produced something where people know most of the voices you already hear on the show because they've been guests here and there. They've past guests have contributed to Star Wars as it is, and um, and there's already a listenership somewhat built in. Um, mm. They might not want to stick around after wanting like comic shows and convention reviews to want to listen to an audio drama. They might not be into that. Um, <clears throat> but then I can direct them towards you guys. <laughs> so, uh, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's the matter of it's, I wouldn't want to throw all that away and start a Starwell only channel or stream. Right. Um, I might as well tack it on to, to what we've already built. It also keeps opinions may very alive. You know, yeah. people listen to Starwell and enjoy it. I imagine they would probably enjoy listening to opinions may vary. So, you know, it's a bonus. They find that. I hope um, so. One question ahead. You had backers. I feel kind of bad. I listened to these episodes for free. Mm-hmm. Now, I found out it's on iTunes. I was really happy because our Apple podcast. I listened to that. I had to drive somewhere today, so I downloaded the sixth episode. I was going to download them all just to listen to them in my car. And I don't know if I'm just inept or if you have a really good sleight of hand, because the only episode I could get was episode six. Hmm. Now, is that you're doing like no. you only let the last one out and then you have to go purchase the other ones? No, um, depending on like my, my mom has this problem where uh, her player, once it plays an episode on whatever podcast app she's using, it'll like delete it and then she can't find it again. So you have to go into the settings and say, don't delete episodes or don't make them unavailable. Um, right. So every player might be different. I, I'm not sure what it's up to iTunes to show you the right stuff. But uh, yeah, every, every episode is up. Uh, it's We post through Libsyn. Um, so that goes from our main web page on all the podcast uh, apps and streamers and Spotify and iTunes. So they yeah, I'm, I don't I don't know. It's. Okay, well, it's just it's user 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 error. Maybe I'm not sure. I don't I don't have i i products. Okay. Well, I've never had this on any of them. I understand. I was in a hurry. I'm like, okay, let's get this thing here, and you know, it didn't work, which is fine. I'll I'll look at it later. But I was I was happy because I do think people. I think when you find this, I, I I hate I hate to be gushing on something, but I was telling Rook and trying to catch him up on it, and I was like, I was like an eight-year-old girl talking about their favorite boy band, you know, <laughs> and I was you know teasing hair and throwing hair ribbons and everything and just squealing, but there's so many levels on this um, this these episodes. Could you just give a rundown real quick? To the listeners, if they haven't heard the other episode, well, exactly what sure. it's about. Yeah. Um, so uh, the pilot season is is Mary deciding she's going to do the job. Her uncle was kind of shady, so she go finds her uncle, and he brings her to a place with more shady characters. And that's where she finds uh, Malvarmo, who was the, the person she wanted to bring to this one place to meet some kids. And uh, it turns out he was the best choice because he is sort of like a union boss of the rest of the villains yeah. like he kind of helps organize them and says we shouldn't do that and here's a gig we all have to worry about um 
And so episode one of season one is uh, Mary finds Athlectra, who uh, was had experiments done to her unwillingly, but they made her somewhat superhuman. But now all she wanted to do was compete with other humans. And that's not fair. And she's just not allowed to do that. And she's very bitter about it. Um, so what do you have left to do if you can't do what you want? You start breaking rules. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was episode one. Episode two was uh, we meet the super strong guy. My um, favorite. He's, you know, uh, I feel like I, I don't want to overuse him. He's he's one of my favorites, too. Um and I had a lot of difficulty over uh, his voice until I think uh, uh, KT helped me figure it out. Um, that's me, if you didn't catch. But, yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> and I wasn't sure how to get to it because I didn't want. I I felt like I could just yell into a big jar or a bucket or something. Yeah. And that would get like the size and reverberation I want. And it it wasn't clicking for me. And then uh, you ever. You ever talk to your partner um, using your, your pet's voice? Oh yeah. Like, what is your pet? What does your pet sound like? Is he kind of? <laughs> is he kind of dopey? Oh, does he oh, kind of right. sound like this. Is he <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm more. Yep. Okay, I just did that. <laughs> and so, uh, so I changed the pitch a, a bit, and I and I upped the bass a bit, so he sounds a bit bigger, and like um, uh, Alan Morris, Tom Strong. Yeah. If you ever read a Tom Strong book, his word bubbles overshadow all the other word bubbles yeah because he's such a big guy he's a giant him talking normally sounds like he's yelling um yeah so i tried to put that kind of twist on there for for him um i do have a few more ideas for him uh, he he has a he's a little he gets a little ridiculous and there's gonna be some elements we don't understand until later on um uh episode three uh she finds a magician and things kind of go wrong on that one and uh, that was one of the most difficult episodes I had to edit, um, where before things were pretty cut and dry, office stuff, the villain bar stuff. Um, we meet a few more villains, and they tell like they tell Mary stories in episode two. But by three, like I needed a chase scene, and using only audio is a little tough. It was a little yeah. nerve wracking for me. Um, and now that I've done it, looking back on it, there's a few things I would have changed or added in, in during the recording process. Um, and then by episode four, the villains don't want to work with her anymore because of what happened in episode three. So there's resolution to that that comes on in the rest of the uh, the rest of the season. Man, it's such an epic project. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's got to feel good now that it's all done and released to the public for everybody to hear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned that uh, at, that there's portions that you would go back and change in the one episode with the chase scene. Uh, looking back at the, the other episodes, are you happy with how everything turned out overall yes. with, with everything? Um, yeah. Uh, there's there's going to be a learning curve where – like I've I've never taken classes on audio editing or <laughs> programming or anything. Like I I took a one semester uh, community college radio class and that was about it. Um, but I'm sure that I'm gonna learn things later on or there'll be different systems I discover. Like I'm just using Audacity. A lot of people love Reaper. Um, 
So if I learn a bit more on Reaper, like so I might have a few new tricks that I wish I had to use back then. Um, but we'll see. I think it's going to be stuff like that. But as far as um, like actors' performances, like there wasn't really a point where I go, I wish I got this different. Because uh, a lot of them had a good idea of what they were doing, or I was able to direct them through it, and and I was pretty happy with what came out. So now that it's done, like it has a beginning, middle, and end, and and I like how we we get through everything. Yeah, awesome. I, I, that's one thing I always want to talk about when I listen to these episodes, um, and when I listen to them, to me, it was just a, a radio drama that I really enjoyed. I mean, it pulled me in, and. You know, you, sometimes you listen to one and you have things you have to do, you know, and so you stop and you go back to it. But I could not wait to go back to them. And, um, but all I kept thinking was, well, I mean, I got a lot of questions. One, the voices, the sound effects, you pulled me into that world. And I said this the last time you were on here. When she went to the bar and met Marvolo, that was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, I, you know, and I said this before, Harlan Ellison was on a radio show and he was talking about the idea of a Superman in real life would terrify him. Mm-hmm. This is back in the mid eighties. I thought, why would you be afraid of Superman? But, you know, since then, a lot of comic stories and about Superman going rogue and bad guys. And, you know, if you ever read Kingdom Come, you know, you would see it. If you ever take the Spider-Man ride at Universal Studios, you know, down here in Florida, if it's still there, that's absolutely mortifying. And Electro and Sandman and all these characters you read about comics, you're on this ride. God, this is even Spider-Man, just absolutely terrifying. You had me thinking that. But... While all this is going on, all I kept thinking, how did he put this together? How did he get all these voices? And it sounds to me like some of the voice actors are kind of adding inflections that I'm guessing they added it to your, or you're the smartest human being I've ever met where you could just tell everybody exactly what they needed to hear because everybody breathed life into their characters. And there was a lot of nuances to the characters, you know, mm-hmm. how they thought how how they did it so that's that's one question <laughs> okay let me let me address that uh before i get lost um <laughs> so uh most of the actors were able to come to studio come to this room i'm in right now and uh if they didn't already have something established we'd go through a few reads before we got to like a character that we're like yes that's it or some of the actors would have more than one character and go, sounds too much like the first one. We got to figure something out for that. But uh, most of the time, uh, two reads of a line would do it. They'd come up with something and I'd say, well, you're you're more grumpy about it or you're more like, do OK, I guess. And sometimes it's just mannerisms. And what I learned um um, from listening to the Nerdist way back, uh, Chris mm. Hardwick would have on, um, who was, uh, Christina Romano? No. Someone, uh, her last name was Romano. She's the voice acting director in like, hi, she hires all the actors for like DC animation. Yeah, I know. For like the, the past 30, 40 years. Yeah, she did all the Batman animated series. Yeah, people. yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. 
And so like just, you know, pulling out Harvey Dent and, and Mr. Freeze, you know, and directing them and hearing them tell stories of how the reason all the Charlie Brown kids talk the same is because there is a guy in the studio. And then you say the words like this. And that's why all the Charlie Brown kids talk the same. There's a weird like three word burst and a pause. And then we all went to see Linus. It's, you know, it's that kind of thing yeah. because they were getting line readings. And then I'm hearing the story about a different director giving a line reading to like a very prestigious actor. He's like, did you just give me a damn line reading? And he's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> he, was doing, he's, he was doing, we'll say it like this and expect him to repeat the line. And you do not do that to actors. Yeah. So yeah. It, it was a lot of like skating that of like, I'm not going to tell them exactly how I would say it because I'm not acting this character right now. Yeah. I wrote the words down. But most of the time, I'm trusting them to to deliver it how what they're feeling. Um, so if they gave me their first read and I was like, we'll try something different. And then like the second read works, maybe we'll have to go through a third or stumble over a line or something. That's fine. It happens to everyone. Um, half the time, I like the first one better, even though I said, give me something different. And what what happened other times is I'm taking chunks of the first one cutting chunks of the second read and then chunks of the third read and mashing them all together. Um, Cause then that's what I think I want to hear when I'm piecing like a conversation uh, together and other actors would, would send in their, their recordings from, from a ways away. Cause uh, I know what they're already capable of. So um, um, Kane's like, Oh, I do Kane Winnig who was um blaster crasher yeah. and uh dustin cole uh he's he says well I, I do some voice acting and i was like i trust you here's three characters <laughs> <laughs> and it was great i just i would say like give me give me like a handsome snooty rock star give me a villain bully who's kind of a jerk who, who gets bullied back a lot but he's real like snidely kind of kind of a jerk um and it was great um my favorite one was uh, Cammy did the voice of Sister Tamigi, yeah. who I call the ghost woman. Yeah. Uh, and she's real spooky. She can turn invisible and she has uh, telekinesis powers. It's terrifying. So I wrote Sister Tamigi like, uh, like a goth chick, like Wraith from Apex Legends or something. Right. And then I, I send the lines to Cammy, and Cammy's like, that's an Irish name. I'm going to. Okay. And when she sent back the lines, it was like old crone. I got like, like old woman crone voices and it was fantastic. That's not what I thought I wanted at first, but now that I got that, I was like, I love it. <laughs> this is, I know how to write this character from now on. Um, <laughs> and I wouldn't have had her change a thing. Like it was perfect. That was like this. There was some, yeah. sorry, I, I wanted to ask, was, huh? was, did you ever get anything where it wasn't what you thought, but it changed it, it liked it, and you already answered it without me asking? Um, I think it was just, I didn't give the right direction in the email, in the lines, yeah. where, like, maybe a blaster caster get, gets threatened, and where it's, where someone says something to him, and he goes, oh, yeah, it's like, no, you're like, you're sitting down, because you're going to get your ass kicked. So now it's more like, oh, yeah. 
the, the difference between those two lines, it's like, it's just, it was my fault for not directing it properly. Um, that's the, the only problem I think I had. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But otherwise, like, it's, I got lucky. <laughs> they all, they all came in with an idea. And if they didn't, like, cause I'd throw a new character at them. Um, and we'd, we'd work through it. Uh, Sam Harris Freed, she was four or five different background characters. And I knew her from local theme park. She's done a season of makeup with me and, uh, she does plenty of acting gigs around too. But, um, I was like, it'd probably take an hour. It took 20 minutes. Like I'm oh. estimating an hour of work. <laughs> and so I go, you're playing a old timey reporter who's talking to a Superman esque character and it's going to be on a video monitor, but it's from, you know, it could be from 50 years ago. So give me like a lowest lane from the forties or fifties or something. And like, and she picked it up in a second, you know, it was amazing. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to pay you for the full hour. <laughs> <It's> like, uh-huh. <laughs> That's wow. awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, but that just shows that you you pick the right people to work with, yeah. you know, when somebody steps in and, and does something with a character and just you go, oh, OK, yeah, that's how this is from now on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, I, I, again, I'm trying. <laughs> Don's train of it's thought a, it's is okay. everywhere right now. Yeah, I know. So I'm, much I'm, I'm not, talk I'm not about. like you. I'm not organized. <laughs> but um. <laughs> The characters themselves, and there were a lot of them, mm-hmm. but I could visualize them in my head. But, you know, a lot of times when people make a comic and create their characters, you can tell what they're trying to do, like make a, another version of Superman or Batman. And, um, and I, I hate to say this, but John Byrne, when he started doing his own creator-owned stuff, you can see what it was from. It was either the X-Men or the Fantastic Four or Captain America, which I bought them, you know, but I I didn't see your any of your characters being a takeoff of existing. I mean, I know, you know, Marvolo was freezing powers, but mm-hmm. he didn't make me think of Captain Cold or Iceman or any of this stuff. Uh, again, well, and this is a different thing. The characters started showing the humanity as it went on, even though he was absolutely terrifying in the beginning and continued to stay terrifying. I started trusting him and kind of seeing where he's coming from, although, you know, there are people and they have their own ideas and you can't always expect everything. But mm-hmm. anyway, the characters you had were unique. How... How did you approach this when you came up with them? I mean, have you been coming up with this stuff since you were a kid and you had your own line of stuff or how did you uh, do this? There, there's a, there's a couple of notebooks like in my filing cabinet that have drawings from junior high. Yeah. And I don't think any of them have shown up in Starwell. Um, Cause it's, it was more, that was more like, I'm just drawing things like directly from the page of image comic books okay. kind of thing. Yeah. So it's coming up with like, I'm drawing cool muscles and swords and blades and stuff. And it's not like, well, what's, does this guy have friends? Does this guy have someone he could trust? How would they encounter different forms of diversity? And that's, I can't do that 
by audio. Like I can't just show you know show you strong muscles and, and claws or something. Um, so I have a day job. It's real dumb. I use like five percent of my brain, and if I don't come up with other worlds with the other, let's be honest, 60% or so, then I'm going to go crazy. And then, cause the place is a pit of despair. So if you get trapped, you're just going to think negative thoughts. So I just have to go into this fantasy land. Um, and sometimes it just comes, comes down to real dumb plays on words, like a good plan where like sister Tamigi's real name. We're not going to hear that for a while, but I built the character around that, uh, which was great. And, um, Let's see. And I always, everyone wants to have a really strong character. And it's, you got to simplify it down somehow. It's like, he's just Stan. His name is Stanley. He's so dumb. He doesn't have a super name. Um, But why, if, if he's, why is he kind of dumb? What happened to him? And so I think of like, what would make someone be that way? And there's always other media that you remember hints of that you could pull from. When I reference, um, strong Stanley, he has huge muscles, but the rest of his body hasn't quite adapted to the muscles. Mm-hmm. So what happens sometimes is he tires out and passes out because he can't breathe enough oxygen to pump enough blood to his muscles. Yep. So if he's fighting for too long or jumps too high in the sky, he's just going to like go to sleep. And that's from a Conan comic book in the 80s, not comic book, a Conan novel in the 80s where some wizard would make these mutated ape men and they would like, they can't breathe through their nose at all. They have to have their mouth open all the time. And uh, that would make that a character trait. Um, That's fantastic referencing though. I mean, you know, (laughs) and the, the amount of thought put into that to create a character with like these massive muscular structure, but other portions of his body can't keep up with it. You know, that's, that's such a creative and different idea. I never would have thought of that. So, uh, in the episode, uh, we'll see if Don remembers Stanley references a friend of his that he wants to help Mm -hmm. fix. And, uh, I'm not going to give away too much about him, but he's broken because he got the same muscles that Stanley has, but his bones never compensated. So as soon as he flexes or tries to be strong, the ligaments and tendons just pull all the bones apart and shatters them. So he's just a huge guy laying in a hospital bed until someone can put his bones back together. Man. Yeah. Consequences for for the actions. Um, um, There was a book, um, No Hero. Mm -hmm. I've read that. Yeah. 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 You know, you take the pill, you become a superhero, but (laughs) gruesome. Oh, yeah. Gruesome. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, this is this is stuff that we don't see a lot in in, in comics or, you know, in in ideas, people who write things. You know, Uh, my question for you here would be like, how, how do you keep track of all this? Do you have do you have like a character Bible so that you can have like, okay, this particular character exhibits these kinds of traits and things like that. How are you tracking all this to, to be able to remember it in future? It switches between like a word document on my computer and like a a notepad in my phone. 
Yeah. And the phone notepad is thinking of uh, moments, cool events that could happen, just cool interactions. Um, I don't need to write down what happened to the accordion. I already know what happened to the accordion. Um, but in case I have to reference it later, I will type it out once once I'm home in front of my computer. Because like if I have to reference it later and put like a hint in another episode, I'll want to check and see where that hint was and make sure everything lines up. Um, so mostly it's like I have a good idea of who the characters are and what they can do. Not all of them do I know how they got there um, or what's in store for most of them. Um, but I have a loose interpretation, but most of the notes are so I know where things will line up in episodes and what I can tackle in future seasons. Yeah, it's not it's not like a Bible. It's not like each character has pages and pages. It's there's cool. a there's a, like a, a two paragraphs at most. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right on. That's um another question I have, and I was trying to ineptly explain this to Rook. Was <laughs> you have um an entire world, but it's not just you know we're talking about the the Starwell Foundation, how she's bringing super villains, you know, to talk to these kids. But the heroes, it was funny how when the villains are talking, there's a certain feel and sound, slight, but it's there. And when the heroes come, it's bright and bigger than life and clear. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, that's, and it's subtle, but you, you notice it. But there's a lot more stuff like the corporate boardroom stuff going on and the office politics, anybody that spent any time in management knows the, the office speak, the, <laughs> the backstabbing with paperwork, you know, um, making body language, making somebody look bad. And it was all in this thing. How do you know this stuff, pal? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just what I take in from other media. I don't have too many. I have friends that have jobs and and sometimes it doesn't go well for them. And everyone has complaints about coworkers here and there. But uh, I've never worked in an office and had to wear a tie (laughs) myself. But uh, it's it's um, Duncan Jen, the the boss of Starwell. I just wanted to honestly make him the boss everyone wishes they had. Uh, yeah, yeah. He wants the work to get done. He trusts you to do it, and he'll have your back. And and uh, picking uh, Joe Van Allen for that part was like was perfect. Like I wrote it with him in mind, to be honest. And he does great. But uh, coming in with this job, is taking on this this role. Um, you would catch grief from the person who has the heroes, and yeah. is friends with heroes to go do hero stuff. And you, they're not going to like you because um, you're siding with their enemy. Um, we're going to find out a bit, a bit more why later on. It's not like she's just cranky for no reason. Um, she'll have a reason. And the other coworkers are like kind of like it's it's one's like a fun aunt. And the others kind of want to see what happens. Because it's a new thing. And uh, in that situation, you wouldn't only have to worry about one uh, one fraction of the community. Cause yes. in my promos, I was like, she has to worry about 
the villains trusting her. Well, she has to worry about her coworkers trusting her. And then when she does meet heroes, are the heroes going to trust her? Um, and so it's a lot to try and prove, and, and we'll see how she does. That was conveyed in the story quite well, because I she's she's very clever. She's very honest. You know, she's doing it for the children. And I, in, in the beginning, you were very good at showing that she wasn't expecting what happened, but she did take it on and do it. But every time there's a success, and these don't come easily, but all of a sudden, as a counterbalance, there's somebody uneasy about it. I mean, when I say somebody, different different groups of people, but it's affecting them, or it's a fear they have. You know, the police fit into this. And I mean, I and you can see all sides. It's not like you're painting black and white good guys and bad guys here everything is a shade of gray <laughs> but like i said i'm i'm like well this is this is and it's not over the top um and i have to say when i'm listening to this there was three times i was washing dishes while i was listening to my headphones and i started laughing and what's so funny oh, i can't explain to you <laughs> I, I did that three times um listen to those six episodes i mean you know there's other parts that are funny but there's three where i just <laughs> i know yeah i have a really dorky laugh but, yeah anyway you were going to say something and i just kept talking sorry um a friend of mine had posted after episode two and all he he uh messaged me with it and then i put it on the instagram and he said i was not emotionally prepared for the spaghetti uh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, one hundred percent. And I'm like, that's great. I'm not going to leave. Give any context. I'm just going to post that and see if people <laughs> if that makes them listen or not. Um, uh, so one of the actors, um, one of my actors, uh, does. She's she does she works with law enforcement, yeah. and she did a few lines and. Uh, towards the end some of the law enforcement is very angry with mary yeah. and uh they're, they're going to accuse her of a bunch of stuff and uh my actress had said like you're making the cops out to be the bad guys and i was like well all the villain characters deserve to be caught <laughs> like they're not wrong <laughs> yeah. like it, they're gonna do what it takes to get the bad guy um and that's one of the scary things. There's been a lot of different threads and posts and, and, and uh, comments around the internet of um, Batman is scary because he doesn't have to obey any laws. He gets the evidence by beating up the bad guy. Well, it's a good thing that everyone can't just beat up the bad guy because what would stop them from beating up anyone? Yeah. Um, but. I had a, I had a direction for this, <laughs> but it, the the police would use a system to find all the bad guys. If they could get it, they would use it because yeah. they shouldn't be on the street. They shouldn't be going free. Uh, and, you know, they've committed tons of crimes and they deserve to be caught. But with this angle that we're viewing the story from, sometimes they're not that bad. Uh Maybe that view will change. And I do have some villains who are worse than than others. And even the villains that we follow, like, oh, oh, we don't we don't talk about that. We don't even say their name. Yeah. So if we say his name, he thinks he'll be welcome here. And we're not even 
going to go that far. Um, so, you know, as far as there being a dark side, there's a darker side. Uh, right. So I try to make that distinction here and there. But yeah, if, they, if, if anyone gets caught, they, they have it coming. Yeah. I didn't take it that the police were bad in the, when I listened to these. All I thought was they're basically, they have a job to do. And I mean, it's, it's not a, they see the worst and everything that kind of comes across in it. And I mean, at the same time, and I'm, I'm cheering for the, the bad guys. I've never done that in my life, <laughs> but it's not, not that I want to cause trouble or hurt people. It's because when they talk to the kids, they become people and they, they speak to them from the heart and they tell the kids what they need to hear. They're not sugarcoating things. They're not saying horrible things. They're, they're honest and giving them encouragement and they're not even saying you're going to get better and be great. They're basically telling them it's a hard road and you're going to do this. Um, their humanity comes out in that, but yeah, they're nothing would be more scary. And I like my favorite character is Marvolo. How can he not be? <laughs> but absolutely terrifying. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't want that guy walking around the street, you know. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm cheering for him, but um, he he threatened to freeze the guy's liquid in his retinas. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all I'm thinking was, you know, you're minding your own business, you're going to the store to get a pizza or something, you know, and do 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 do. And what if the guy just has a bad day and I'm caught in the crossfire? Well, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's uh and. Getting any part of your body freezed in the inside. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's um now how do you approach the putting the story together? I mean, you're talking about notebooks, but did you have the whole idea from beginning to end? How did you break it down? Like I said, moments, events. Uh I want something cool to happen. I thought of an interaction between two characters and I want to put it somewhere. Um, but establishing the three act format, um, I got a big cork board and I'd write out like a couple things like Mary's in Starwell in the offices and she has to talk to Louise and Becky. And like that goes on the cork board for act two of episode one kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then I fill up the episode with these little post-its and then that's how I arrange episodes because then I know like what I think I could get for timing out of what's happening per act, how the interludes are dividing up the acts. Um, and then from there, I'll start writing out the full episode. Uh, so every script starts with like a paragraph of what's going to happen in the act. And then when I send the whole <laughs> script to one of the actors and they're like, do I have to sell this? And I was like, no, no, that's just so I know what's happening. <laughs> and you kind of know what's happening. And uh, if I get stuck while I'm typing out interactions, I'll scroll back up to that paragraph and be like, what was I doing in the scene? What else was happening here? Um, so, yeah, I, I know um, Daniel Warren Johnson does that where he has a board with a bunch of post-it notes and he just puts them in places for where they would fall in the pages or in each issue. And uh, the one he showed was for Wonder Woman Dead Earth, I believe. And he's like, and once it's done, he can rearrange them and lay out the next issue. And that's how he knows how to lay out each each issue as he goes. And that's I did a very similar thing so I could reference this cork board and be like, well, they're going to be in this location. So I'll have that highlighted and they're going to be. I can't have two of the same interlude in the same episode. 
So I'm going to split up the two How Crime trailers to make sure I don't confuse those. Or um, an interlude might be crucial to the next episode where we hear a news report about the monster of Jerobaz Canal. And then the next episode, there's the monster of Jerobaz Canal. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's funny. Every episode, when I say this, it was fat. There was a lot of stuff to it. But, you know, it just takes you on a smooth ride. It wasn't like, oh, that was rushed or, God, that was boring. I mean, everyone was well-paced. And um, and it told the story. But I I was thinking about it. How is he figuring this out, how to put it in? Um, And I say this, a lot of times when it's just one person writing, course i'm talking about me whenever i try to write it's just flat you have a lot of nuances you have people's thoughts you have there's poetry to it when you're putting these in and um i i i was impressed i was impressed with how how you're telling the story with sound and again the actors coming in just added more and more to it it's uh i had someone ask me uh because at local theme park, when I used to run the makeup room yeah. and one of my artists was taking like a management class and she was using me as an example. She's like, well, you're a good manager. And I was like, well, I just do what I would want someone to do for me. Yeah. And then I just don't do what all the managers that I hated used to do. <laughs> yeah. Um. So like, you know, uh, something as basic as listening to other podcasts or other shows, you turn it on and there's 10, 15 minutes of intro and just back and forth and the co-host talking whatever and then they get to the meat and it's like can you can you just get to the meat please um and so the episode starts and the episode's going (laughs) i'm not gonna make you sit through an intro where i talk about boring stuff like the episode's gonna go you guys do the same thing your your song plays you know the song it's your boy rook right yeah (laughs) i i appreciate that i dig it um you know, it, it, it's it's kind of a feeling with podcasts like every minute you get from somebody listening is a minute they could be doing something else or listening to something else. So get into it, get the conversation going. And, you know, it. I always feel like I listen to other shows and here's a perfect example. I'm watching One Piece right now. <laughs> I'm on like episode 600 and something. Every episode starts with, I'm not kidding, five minutes of introduction. And they're only a 30-minute episode, so that's already five minutes worth of introduction that, like, <laughs> I already know what's happening. I'm, I'm binging these things. Yeah. You know? I'm going to briefly talk to other comics for a sec. Hope yeah, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, when, when Brian Michael Bendis started Ultimate Spider-Man, he's like, I am not writing three pages of Spider-Man swinging through the city talking about what happened last, last issue. He's like, yeah. I'm just not going to do it. We're going to do one page of text to say what happens. You could read that. We can get to the story. He's like, but there's no more Spider-Man just existing in the city talking about like, Oh, and I saw Felicia. Doc, Ock. I can't believe Doc Ock showed up. <laughs> and he's like, I'm not doing that. Um, and I appreciate that. <laughs> it's like yeah. I can just pick up the other book, you know. I don't always need a recap. Um, at some point, I might have to do a recap for Starwell, and I'll kick my own butt. But um, uh, as far as uh, Don was saying about about the flow, um, I knew I wouldn't want 
three acts of office politics talking to the people in Starwell offices, I don't think that would be a good episode. Right. So I'd want to throw in some other stuff. I'd want to talk to villains. Maybe I'd want to talk to heroes. You know, I just I just don't want multiple acts in a row of the same thing um, and have it not be interesting. Uh, you guys were talking about Invincible a while ago and how you weren't quite into this the 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 comic books just yet. Um, but early on, Robert Kirkman, th- there's notes in the um, their mega editions. I forget what they're called. Not their omnibus, but uh, their big hardcovers. There's notes in the back of that. And so you can see what they're saying to each other. Corey Walker did the first six issues. He also designed many of the characters. Ryan Otley took over. He drew most issues after that. Corey Walker would pop in here and there. Um, But one of the things Robert Kirkman said was like, okay, you're going to design the Grayson's Kitchen now. We're going to be here a lot. So make it easy on yourself. (laughs) Mom's going to talk to to nolan mom's going to talk to mark mark's going to talk to his dad other people are going to come in the house so get ready to have a lot of back and forth interaction in the kitchen and so me and my friends saw this and like would joke to each other reference it and then you know time goes by a new issue comes out this issue is mostly kitchen you guys it's like okay so now we know like no one gets a fist punch through their head in this particular issue Right. Yeah, it's not like we're we're afraid of it, but like sometimes you have to get that exposition through. You have to, someone's gonna have a conversation about what to do with their future, how they're feeling. Right. You're not human if you don't talk about your feelings. Um. So uh, I never thought about it until like a few days when I was like, "What am I gonna tell these guys on this show?" <laughs> and I was like, and then I heard you guys talking about Invincible, and I was like, "It's a great series, by the way. I've read the whole thing. Got a few sketches in my hardcovers by Ryan." But um, nice. Yeah, sometimes you gotta have some kitchen uh, to say what's going on, and, and then yep. you get some action. So it's it depends how you lay out your series, and and so I wanted to to definitely have that in Star World, but not have it be too formulaic. Yeah. Yes, and you weren't. As a matter of fact, when we're talking about the office scenes, um, I spent a lot of time in my working life in management, which isn't a job I liked, but I turned out to be quite good at it. And you you caught it really nice, but it's not like you were explaining everything. It's just you could see what it was like just going to the office and dealing with some of the other people there and what was happening. It was always brief, but it was enough. You didn't you didn't give exposition. You basically showed it happening, you know, when you wrote it out. And just to be clear, I loved Invincible in the comics. I just I was reading Dallas's, and when he said that's all he had, it's, I don't know, 15, 17 yeah. issues. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I'm going to buy them. And I had some in my hands, but I was, what was happening was I was going to buy the books that, you know, the trades that I'd already read. And I saw how many there were, and I thought, I don't want to do this. <laughs> you know, um, and I, I mean, I've done that with other things before, but. I loved Invincible. I I gushed about it on an old episode, but Mm -hmm. the character designs, the story, I felt like I was reading old Justice League or Legion of Superhero stories when I was a kid in the 60s. You know, um, it just had that feel, even though it was modern. And I absolutely loved it. Um, Mm -hmm. I've actually bought three of the trades lately I found on uh, the cheap. 
but I'll probably go buy and get them. But I just, I don't know. At the time, buying stuff, I'd already read as much as I liked it. And then, I don't know, a lot more to it. I can't recommend the series enough, even though I was too cheap to buy them. <laughs> I, I liked how it was managed. Because um, yeah. we, my friends and I were collecting in real time as it was coming out. And um, if you have a good thing, how long do you want your good thing to go for? Yeah. Do you want to capitalize on, it, capitalize on it as much as possible right now or get the long run out of it? So Invincible didn't have any spinoff issues until they were past issue 50 at least. And then we got like an Adam Eve and Rexplode uh, miniseries. We branched off into Brit or Guardians of, Gal- or Guardians of the Globe, Guarding the Globe. Meanwhile, on the same wall of comics, at the same time, we get a brand new Green Hornet book from, I think, Dynamite or Boom or something. And that sells really well because, like, they got Alex Ross or uh, or can't think of his name right now. And number one sells good. Maybe number two sells good. Instead of just, like, developing a story that's going to run for a while, yeah. we have a different Green Hornet. We have Green Hornet and Cato. That's the third issue. We, Cato gets his own solo series. Green yeah. Hornet and Red Sonia gets a series. Like, what? How about you just tell one story that runs for a few years? You'll have money for the year. You don't need it all right now. <laughs> well, you can't but, you can't sustain story that way. That's one thing that Kirkman is very good about with his writing. He has a plan, and he 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 doesn't do a bunch like The Walking Dead. Good God, people wanted like spinoffs of Walking Dead characters, and they're like, "Oh man, it would be great if they had like a Negan series. It would be great if they had a series about the governor." And blah, blah, blah. you know, everybody wanted all this spinoff stuff. And for mm-hmm. the longest time, he bucked against that and was just like, "No, this is the book. This is it. This is the mm-hmm. book." And then at some point, I think merchandisers got a hold of him, and you know, good lord, and then you had Walking Dead Monopoly, <laughs> and it just went haywire from there. But and that's another thing I I do like about Kirkman's writing is that there's he's he's a long storyteller, but he has an end. Mm -hmm. And when like just for example, Walking Dead, when that ended, I felt completely satisfied with how that ended. Mm -hmm. The the comic, not the show, Um, the show I stopped watching. I don't know, like umpteen seasons ago. (laughs) But we loved in the beginning. Oh, yeah, I loved it in the beginning, but, I mean, it jumped the shark, so. Go ahead, go ahead. Don, uh, how did you like the interludes? The interludes? The, the, what was basically like the uh, commercials or newscasts between acts? Oh, I yeah, I did love those. As a matter of fact, half the time I was thinking you were pushing another podcast. I thought you got me, because <laughs> it's in here again. Um I realized it was part of the show. I absolutely loved them. It just, it flowed, even though I just told you it took me out for a second, thinking it's, you know, advertising somebody else. But, yeah, um, it's, you've built a whole world to it. Um, Sergeant Samurai? <laughs> oh, uh, Sergeant Sensei, yeah. Oh, Sergeant yeah. Sensei. <laughs> Ooh, is this a good time to play that? Yes, I was going to say, okay. I was wanting to talk about the sound, you know, the, the music uh-huh. and the sound. So go ahead and set it up. That that was one of the first things that I edited, and that didn't show up until episode three, but that was done by episode one. It was actually um, in in like a, a lead up preview podcast before I launched the series, and um, I thought of like 
a, a fun kind of cheesy typical 90s 2000s action movie and i was like what would that trailer sound like and what's the <laughs> conflict within this fake movie and it's but it's the fourth one in a row so imagine any van damme or schwarzenegger like series of movies that would go along and and what kind of weird wacky characters would get put into that and then having to find like well that's not the right explosion sound effect gotta keep looking um <laughs> But uh, this website called Pixabay had royalty-free music, and they had, like, some great trailer-esque themes and songs and finding, like, trailer hits and whatever they call these things and mashing those together. And um, Stevie was a great, like, announcer person, like, in a world. Like, she nailed that. That was great. Um, But, yeah, and uh, the the guy who plays Jaya Lenti, who's the actor – within who is certain sensei um he's an artist uh from uh, around the baltimore area who would do a traveling show called uh super art fight that's jamie noguchi um and they would go to conventions and competitively draw against each other (laughs) it's a whole thing we'll talk about that later some other time but uh it's great and he he did the voice for that he he offered me last time we talked on omv he's like if you need anything and i was like do you want to do a voice and uh He's into it came in writer and pro wrestling, so he knows how to play up some nonsense and get a little silly. It was great. Yeah. All right. That's something I didn't know that you got the sound effects from a site. I thought they were all created. They have us. They all seem to belong to this show. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. In, in the credits, um, freesound.com, um, BBC has a huge archive. Yes. Of, yes of sounds uh but a lot of them are are old <laughs> like you're not yeah. going to find modern sounds in there um but and yeah free sound and, and pixabay had a couple usually if it was something music related pixabay would have it and then uh other themes that i got i paid people on uh, a fiverr and uh yeah so most like the generic stuff explosions rocks falling whooshes yeah. arrow whip yeah yep that's impressive all right well you want to play the commercial right now okay The greatest martial arts instructor the military ever had is back with his biggest class ever. And I am so proud of all of you. As the commanding general, it gives me great honor to present to you the graduating battalion, our first fully trained class under Sergeant Sensei. It was supposed to be a proud day of celebration until the students became the masters of betrayal. What are you doing? Following orders. My orders, Sergeant Sensei. Thanks for training an entire squad for me to steal and use in my own evil army. (laughs) No! In the moment of his worst defeat, he could only turn to his first student. I... I need your help. And I need to finish these invoice reports. Seamus, all my students, Professor Brainwash, he has them under his mind control. Sarge, I tried to tell you that you shouldn't train any grasshoppers after me, didn't I? You were never my student. You were my friend. And only we can stop him. Together. Well then, You need to meet my student, 
She's better than I ever was. Yeah, yeah. Sup, Sarge? The return of Darby O'Malley as Seamus. <laughs> and introducing Caitlin Gonzalez as Maria. <laughs> in the blockbuster Sergeant Sensei 4 starring Jai Lenti. We're not gonna make it. Maybe I won't. But you have to. Sensei, you're trapped. I'll find a way out. But you have to go. He knows what he's doing. He always does. You should never have come after us. You will always be my students. And I will always help you. Do you think I didn't account for you two reuniting? Soon you'll both be under my mind control, too. But did you account for me? Ha! Sergeant Sensei 4. The Brainwashed Battalion. So, uh, that is mostly hyping the actor Jai Lenti. And we also meet him later on. He's referenced briefly in the pilot season. But we meet him, the actor, in person uh, at the Star Wars Gala because he's there to help fundraise. And what... But that's all he does. So if I'm introducing this character now, Why? It's because he's going to be important later on. Sometimes you got to set up the dominoes and like wait quite a while to knock him down. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, it's like, you know, he's a martial arts superstar. Uh, <laughs> but is, is all he does is act? We'll, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, there was. L- l- little hints written yeah. in. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's tough not to give away too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, was, there was some stuff alluded. I think you're going to see more of that. Yeah, in there. All right. Now you also were talking. You gave us um, some music. Yep. That's played in the show. Um, I have to say the music really set a tone, and um, it was all through the series. It's um, it, there, there was a lot of music. <laughs> It belonged. Everything belonged to the series. It had its own feel, its own, you know, I hate to say its own world, but it did belong. It wasn't like a square peg in a round hole. You had several people doing music. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was nervous about that because as a wrestling fan, when someone's theme hits, you want to see them run to the ring and kick everyone's butt. It's great. And once you hear their theme, you know who's coming out. You know who's going to be present. And I wanted that element because you can't see, like, just a, a chain on a hook. A hook on a chain from from the corner of a panel and turn the page and go, oh, it's Lobo. You knew it's Lobo by the hook. Yeah. Uh, you know, but that's not a medium that I'm working with here. So I'd want to try and have each villain have their own theme. Um but I wasn't sure if it would work or if it would become disjointed because someone says, oh, well, here's Ashabella Cole. And then everything stops and her theme plays. And to give you an idea of who she is. Um, and I, I was that's something I was nervous about. I hope it works and I hope everyone else doesn't hate it. Um, but it wasn't easy uh, finding all the different musicians to, like, get the sound that I wanted. Um so I, uh, the the guy that I used for the pilot season, uh, Kevin Mason, he was very busy, and I'm psyched 
because he deserves to have a lot of work and perform and do what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And that's great. But that left me <laughs> having to struggle and find some new musicians. Um, So a lot, I went to Fiverr and I was like, I want like heavy metal, like uh, death clock riff for this dude. Like, and I found some people who were in the genre that I'm looking for and I matches them. And I'm like, I want, uh 12 to 22 seconds and that's it just to introduce this character it's his character's theme it'll appear when they do or it'll start the act to say they're going to be in this act later on um and and most of them worked out i only got a couple duds because maybe i wasn't explaining it properly or they didn't they didn't work in in the exact sound that i was looking for um yeah, but there's like seven people across the world on Fiverr. There's a guy from the Philippines. There's dudes from, uh, I got genuine bagpipes from Scotland. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, and the accordion guy was great. He sent me three different accordion tracks. <laughs> and I was like, I want a sad accordion for a guy who's like broken. And uh, and he delivered. But um, I know I wanted Super Trinamo. That's the fictional band in the, the in Starwell who yeah. quit being a band to turn to crime. Um, yeah. Cause it's like they had to live in the shadow of their father who was a performer and they didn't want to do that to a point. So they stopped playing uh, and they just robbed banks and stuff, but they also have electric powers. Um, so I wanted them to, to, to perform at the gala, but I wanted to find a local band that I could afford yeah. and, uh, and actually license them. And be like, I want to use these songs. I don't. What do I do? Like, what? How do I pay you for that? And Google is like, well, a big name, it's like thousands of dollars. But you know, someone smaller local could be under 150. I'm like, great. Um, so I had that figured out when I was doing the Kickstarter. It's in my pie chart of licensing music, and I found uh, a friend, uh, Jess Glazier from local theme park, was like, oh, sometimes I work with this guy Mike on his band, 1974. And so I contacted Mike and I was like, I would like to use a couple of your songs. I listened to your stuff. And these two were like, I really dig them. And he's like, great. I've never done this before. I'm like, neither am I. <laughs> so we figured out a little contract and he said, if you need anything else, let me know and he'll be open to it. And, uh, which was perfect. Yeah. As if these three characters, uh, it's Ashabella, Dustin, and Mech is their sibling. Who's a robot. Um, for each of them to have their own theme because they're going to show up individually over time at points. But they're also work as a trio. They're going to be together. So I would need their themes to sync up into one single song. And and Mike put that together. And I was like, Ash is probably like the bassist. And her her name is Ashabella Cole. And she has electric powers. So she's AC. And Dustin is a bit more erratic and wild, so he's DC. See. So she can she can logistically connect a loop to have the power come back to her, which his just goes everywhere. So we have AC and DC. He's a bit more erratic, so I was like, go nuts with some guitar jams. And then Mech would play the synths and and some percussion. And uh, he's like, yeah, I can do that. And he put it all together. And like he made it like 40 seconds long instead of like the 18. But I really dig it. It's yeah. And and since he wrote, you know, that theme for those characters, because I'm going to be using his songs for those characters, it it was a perfect match. And it's I really like what what we what came out of it. 
Now, is this the the song that you sent? Yes, this is this is Super Trinamo's theme. Yeah, and uh, uh, so Mike Forget was saying, "Well, you're probably not going to play the whole thing." I'm like, "I'm definitely going to play the whole thing." Right. Well, how can you not? Yeah, it, they were good songs. I really dug them. Um, they were powerful. They had strong high points. That a lot was going on in them. And uh, and I was like, "What's mostly going to happen is they're performing, and then we're going to be switching scenes. So we're going to have them at full volume." We're going to be in a different room, so it's a little muffled. We're going to be across the street, so it's a bit more muffled, but it'll still be there. We're going to come back to the room they're playing in, so it'll be loud again. And he was like, oh, okay. Like, I'm not sure he really you know, saw what I was trying to explain. Um, but also in the contract, it's like I had permission to like, stretch it or repeat a verse if, you know, to get the time that I needed to fill the scene. Um, there was something else that was great with him. But oh, so the albums that they had made, he had a very like sci-fi uh, space opera idea with many of the albums for 1974. And you could tell that by a few of the songs, like one of them is called The Great Galactic War. Another one's called Phantoms. And then other albums later on have more like kind of mysterious, like space opera, Star Warsy names. And and uh, he was really psyched because, like, that's an album he put out eight, ten years ago or so. And now I'm doing something with it, which is a similar storytelling. Um, so it's really great that we met up. We got to do that. Yeah. And, you know, we're, he's he's glad it's something he made in the past can still tell a story now. Um, so I hope you really like it. And I hope people check out his band and, and look up his, his work. Yeah, that'll be linked on the musical spotlight. So if you're interested in what you heard and what he's told you, you can go to it. One thing on that song, I did like how I felt like I was going to different spaces when I heard it. Because I felt like I was in, in the area when they were playing. And then I felt like somebody pulled me out to another room. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't distracting. It wasn't like a song was just stuck in there lazily. I mean, everything you just talked about is exactly how I felt. You know, um, except for somebody with fruit on their breath screaming in my ear because the music is so pure, pure you know, <laughs> I don't know. That's, um, <laughs> Don, listen, listening to the show as the different characters come in and their themes hit and you go, oh, wait, here they come. Were you, were you doing that as you listen to the show? No, I, like I said, it was just like a ride and that's the thing. One of the things I, I enjoy when I read and listen to things and watch things is if I don't know where it's going, and I say this, I'm a clueless a clueless audience, but 
I didn't know where it was going, and it always surprised me. I liked that. And um, I wasn't expecting it. I keep bringing this up, how terrifying it was to go in that bar in the very beginning. <laughs> um, I wasn't expecting the change of heart when these awful people start talking to the kids. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I wasn't expecting the, the interactions between people at the Starwell Foundation. I mean, we're saying that it wasn't like black and white. They were just people trying to do something, but sometimes what somebody else is doing is counteracting what you're doing. Oh, one other thing. I, I, I apologize. The, the main character, the woman that's bringing in the supervillains and took it on this case. Mm -hmm. When she gets something and she uses it on somebody, <laughs> that's one I laughed out loud. I'm, I'm trying hard not to tell what it was. But, <laughs> you know, it's already set up. You knew what was happening. When it happened, I, I was, as a matter of fact, I was making spaghetti and I'm like, <laughs> you know, and what's going on? I got my headphones on. Go away. Well, the first time she uses it, it's it's kind of a surprise because I didn't give any warning as to what it sounds like. Um, so once you hear uh, the thing go off and then what's after it is obvious. But uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, my wife hates me for uh, for what I named the the creator of that device, but I thought it was great. I couldn't avoid it. Um, I, so we're, I named a monkey who wants people to fall asleep <laughs> and his name is the narcolepsimian. I love that. I love that. And I, <laughs> I like how everything was described about how it worked, how it came up, and how it goes about. And I mean, I, I'm again, I'm trying hard not to give it away because <laughs> everybody should go listen to this. And Alex got people to pay for it, so you can just listen to it for free. You can be a freeloader barnacle like myself. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's that was a tough one because um, normally when you back a Kickstarter, you get the physical thing; it's yours, you keep it. Yeah. And trying to figure out how what people deserve in return for what they're giving me um it and i'm you know and just tell them everyone's getting this it's going to be public like it's going to be on the website for everyone so it's you know thank you for for paying me but um there were physical rewards um i have to applaud uh brett kelly uh bk artwork on instagram so not only was he malvarmo and donnie brook he also designed the pin that was from the Kickstarter yeah. and is also in the OMV store. The, the flapjack, it's a uh, jack-o'-lantern with bat wings yep. um, yeah, yeah. in the Starwell colors. So, yeah, he, he did really good with all his voices. Um, and as soon as I told him Donnie Burke's uh, background, he's like, I need to play that character. I'm like, Brett, you're already too important. You can't be two characters. You have to talk to yourself. How am I going to do that? And he's like, you'll figure it out. <laughs> but hey, yeah, ask uh, any hey, ask any good DM. They know how to how to do that. You know, <laughs> tabletop gaming. <laughs> um, my favorite overall thing was uh, I have a pirate character. When Mal's not there, Captain Treasure is kind of in charge because everyone assumes he has leadership. And uh, his 
his pirate ship was my favorite thing to edit, aside from uh, yeah. the Sergeant Sensei trailer. Yeah. There was so much. I mean, it's not just those things. There were so many things. And I, well, I was trying to tell Rook, I'm, I tried to, no direction. I'm telling him everything. It's like it's all bottlenecked inside. And I mean, it's, um, and when I'm saying try not to spoil things, I was spoiling everything to Rook. I was telling him every detail I could think of. You know, he'd, he'd go in one direction and he'd come back and be like, oh, but before that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so hopefully, if, if I cram a lot into it, then that's going to make um, re-listens enjoyable. Because yeah. maybe, well, maybe you're not going to realize why someone's important that you met in, in episode two until we get to episode five or six. Yeah. And then go back and be like, did they say something about this? And that might shed some more light on who they are and what they can do. Yes, absolutely. Well, as a matter of fact, that's why I was trying to get all the episodes I already listened to on my phone so I can listen to them in my car when I'm moving around. And, um, you know, I'll, I will figure this out when we get offline. But I, I can't stress to people, if you're listening to this, if you, have, if you haven't listened to it before, I'll have the links on. I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I think you might, too. It's fun to listen to audio programs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this one, this one, I have to admit, is something special. I wasn't expecting to like it so much. I was excited when you you came back on, and um, it's it's something. Uh, one one more question, and I'll, I'll let it be. Do you have any plans on illustrating the characters at some point, or you want just people to have it in their mind? I don't have anything i want to dictate yes um, okay. i don't want to uh pay someone or even a volunteer and I, I don't want to tell them uh malvarmo has this many pouches kind of thing <laughs> and i don't want to say exactly what sister tamigi looks like because she's partially invisible um and if you have an idea of what siege looks like i don't want to tell you you're wrong um yes yeah so if people want to make fan art <laughs> it's great right. i'll i'll post it i'll post all your fan art and be like here's one fan's interpretation it's not wrong but i'm you know but yours won't be wrong either if that's what you want to see um would i want to have a comic book someday yes it could be in the world but it's going to be a different part of the world kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. no it, it was it was a really good answer because I when I, I was listening to it, I went online to look for artwork to post on the blog, and I was thinking, I wonder if there's any characters, and uh, because it's exactly what you said, I I have them on my head, and when I'm saying this, I know they're polar opposite of anything that you were planning on, but it's just some of them are silly, but. <laughs> Like Marvolo, I had this Jack Kirby giant headpiece thing he would always put on people, and I thought uh-huh. it's just silly. But when she's talking to him in the bar, I'm picturing this with glowing eyes and you know, all cosmic and freezing. <laughs> it's just, it, I don't know, to me it just made it worse. But I had a vague idea of each character in my head, and I was thinking, you know, if I see anybody draw these, even if it's amazing, <laughs> it's going to be disappointing for me because I have it what I want. You know, I guess. So, yeah, that's that's quite good. Um, so, in uh, 
I would have to figure out descriptions for the the, the musicians who would do the themes. Yeah. They might ask me, do I have a picture of them? And I go, I don't. Uh, but I'm not going to make him listen to the character's lines. Uh, you know, that might not work. Um, so like I'd say, so for Gansfield, uh, imagine a James Bond villain walking through a casino. And like, yeah. that's, that's the best I can do. <laughs> right. She's, she's going to be attractive, but also you don't know how dangerous she is because she has mind powers. But whatever you might think of like a scary James Bond chick who would come at you and not even have to be near you to destroy your life. Um, and that's the most I'm going to get into depth with, with one of them. <laughs> like, everyone's going to imagine a different James yeah. Bond villain, right? Right, right. Um, yeah, every every episode is is a little over 30 minutes. Uh, episode six is almost is a little over 50 because the finale has to be a little big. Um, of course. And where are we at? So uh, it's, I want to thank you guys. Um, I wouldn't do your show unless I was a fan. Oh, and I like listening to your stuff. You. Like I said earlier, like if we were still doing OMV Classic, uh, we would have also had Blitmap on. Um, <laughs> thankfully, uh, Don didn't make me cry this time like last time. So <laughs> what? that's <laughs> so okay. So for our listeners who aren't sure by now, who haven't been listening to you guys for a while, Don has this way to discover elements that the creator has put into their work and like find it pointed out and you did it to me last time i was here i've heard you do it to like at least two other people and where they say i didn't think anyone was going to find that i didn't think people were going to get that interpretation so congrats to you for doing that brooke you're on the ball like things come out and you can jump on it you're you're witty you're tight with like what to get to next um and does does uh dallas do the website I do the website. You do the website? Okay. Dallas does all the sound. Okay. Okay. Our audio is controlled by the great and wonderful Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> so Dallas started the show. So I'd briefly say like, oh, Kevin Mason did the sounds for, you know, for uh, the pilot season. And then on on the episode uh, page, there's Kevin Mason. There's a picture of his, his album. I'd say Sony Helios taught me how to airbrush to do makeup. There's Sony Helios. So... It's like, I mean, it, it takes some work to, to find like something, you know, your guest mentioned and then find it and post examples of it. So that, that's not easy, you guys. You're, you're doing great. I really dig your show. Oh, well, so, hey, thank, thank you, you so very much. much. I, I, I wasn't expecting that. So oh. you're making me cry. <laughs> <laughs> For us, this is all about the love of it. And uh, we, yeah. we enjoy everything comic book nerd related, you know, so like. Don says it at the end of every episode. We don't make any money on this show. We literally make no money. We spend more money than yeah. we'll ever make if we ever started to monetize, which we never will. Uh, but we, we do it because we have so much fun doing it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah Dallas is trying to get us to do this show for maybe four or five years, and mm-hmm. I would not do it. I um, <laughs> He totally but, wouldn't. You know, because we, you know, podcast came about, and somebody said, you know, there's a comic book podcast on uh, iTunes? It was Fanboy Radio out of Fort Worth, Texas. Mm-hmm. And they would have guests. They'd have Neil Adams. I never heard Neil Adams talk before. They had <laughs> Alan Moore, which is incredible. Um, yeah. You know, but they had, 
I could not wait. Lynn Ween. I I didn't realize how much I loved Lynn Ween. I could not wait for that show to come on. And Dallas and I would talk about it. And then other shows started popping up. And at one point, Dallas said, let's do a podcast. I'm not doing a podcast. Um, <laughs> all they kept pick, pitching, what was that heavy guy on uh, Saturday Night Live? Chris Farley. Yeah. I kept imagining him, like, when he's interviewing Paul McCartney, you know. <laughs> and comic books, aren't they great? Or Beavis and Budget, <laughs> yeah. comic books. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that was just, cool. Uh, <laughs> there's no way. Um, and finally, you know, he convinced us, and we all, all met. I hadn't met Rook at the time. I just worked with Dallas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, okay, we started doing it, but. Yeah, I, I kept thinking, I'm, I'm not going to talk about this stuff. People are going to start seeing, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. You're wrong. You know how, <laughs> how it is. But not enough people listen to do that to us. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that was well, nice. You know, Alex, I, I want to I say thank you to you. And, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, guests like you coming on the show, I, I think Don and I would be talking about the same comic books episode yeah. after episode for eternity because uh, there there are times when we're like oh hey did you read this yeah yeah uh <laughs> we talked about that like three years ago <laughs> yeah. you know, sometimes it is good to talk about things that you like you know but i mean sometimes i i subscribe to maybe six comic books you know and sometimes i'll find other things but you know well I've already talked about the ones I already subscribed to multiple times. So, yeah, it's, um, and it's people like you come on the show that keeps Rook buying stuff because he stopped going to the store. Now he's all Kickstarter. He's Mr. Kickstarter. As a matter of fact, when you go to Kickstarter, you see a picture of Rook with a crown and a robe. <laughs> New. And, and New. If my around. wife listens to this episode, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I, I, I have been banned from Kickstarting for a few months. <laughs> I'm glad she's not here right now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. All right, everybody, if you're listening. Um, we announce a new episode on Facebook, in the Facebook group, in the Facebook page. We use the fake comic book cover. Um, people like you send in drawings for us to use. I can reformat it any way to fit the page. If you can send something in, um, I'd appreciate it because it gets scary sometimes. Um and like tonight, we had a musical spotlight. We usually don't have them on a guest, but Dal- Alex is really nice. Be like Alex. Send us some, some MP3s so we can play, because Rook gets upset that I play the same thing over and over and over again. And on the sidebar of the blog, we have a T-shirt. Actually, we have three designs. Uh, it's not to make us rich, because they have not, but it just helps us offset the hosting fees, which comes up every year. Uh, Rook? Everybody, check us out at bunchofdorks.com. Click on the Cyclops. You're going to find examples of everything we talked about on this episode and many more. But until next time, everybody. Read. More. Comics. You can hear our most recent 20 episodes on iTunes. If you would like to hear our older episodes, you can find them on our blog. Just go to bunchofdorks.com and click Click on on the Cyclops. Your Dimension can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe, rate, leave a review, tell a friend, or like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening.